0: Tough blog podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. It's your host Anthony Pagnotta with you guys, as always. And today, joined by Josh Marlowe, it is time to talk about Carolina's new, old, new again defensive coordinator Gene Chizik is back. In case you guys hadn't noticed. This one maybe not creating as much excitement about Mac Brown uh, as Mac Brown's uh return did, but uh still very significant, a lot of people excited about that. So we're going to run through talk about the hire um and really just tell you why it it makes a lot of sense and why the return of a top assistant as well makes a lot of sense. We'll also tell you about a couple of important visitors that are going to be on campus this weekend. Uh, That'll come later on in the show in the closing notes segment, but... Let's get into it. And the bulk of this podcast today is going to be about the defensive coordinator spot. It Was a guy that we talked about when we were looking at some of the defensive coordinator candidates, and it makes a little bit of sense, especially with the fact that people have said, and this was something I remember when he was first hired, that Gene Chizik was a guy that he wanted to bring along with him. Mm-hmm. Gene has a past with him; he coached with them on the 2005 and 2006 national cha- or uh, the national championships team in 2005, and then the team the. Next Next year in 2006 at Texas, uh, a defense that in 2006 was arguably better than the 2005 defense, but didn't really need to be all that great because, and I still can't believe this to this day, I looked it up again the other day, somehow Texas averaged... Almost five hundred and fifty yards of total offense at fifty points back in two thousand and five I mean or over fifty points back in two thousand and five, so their defense was was stout they were great back then uh great in two thousand and six, not expecting that type of defense to be coming with him to Chapel Hill, but expecting you know sort of a similar you know turnaround to what we saw the first time that he was in Chapel Hill back in two thousand and fifteen and sixteen under Larry Fedora. What, what did you think uh, about the hire? What was your initial reactions when it was first reported by Bruce Feldman?
1: The same reaction I've had on this podcast for most of the year about hard discussions that we've had. I was right. I told you guys on Thursday or Friday, whichever day that was, this was the logical candidate to get the job. Uh, it made a lot of sense with his connections to Mac Brown, his connections to Carolina previously, and what you're going to ask of him to do, he's already done before, which is take a bad defense and make him average. And so I I think the thing about this hire that we have to realize and understand is that unlike the first time, this is a short-term hire. He kind of made that know when he talked with the media today, when he met with the folks at Inside Carolina that this is his last go around it. He's most likely gonna go when Mac Brown hangs it up again because they're two old time friends and that makes a lot of sense. When we hired him back in fifteen, we thought it was gonna be longer than two years. And it wasn't. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of that was he saw the writing on the wall with that roster. That knew he wasn't gonna, they weren't gonna be very good on both sides of the ball. Knew he would be one of the the uh, scapegoats, if you would. That Mar- that Larry Fedor would have to move on from, and you fa- you factor in the family aspect and all that. He was ready; it was time for him to walk away. Now his family's grown up; they're out of the house per se. I guess you could say he's bored again, as most coaches get to when they're not coaching football, and he's got that drive again to come in and 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 coach and 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 help develop these kids. And here's the good news. You look at what he did in 15 and 16 with that defense and that and that talent. Yeah. Carolina's in a much better space now. Yes. So no doubt. If he's already done it with less talent, less depth, there's reason to believe he's going to do it to an even better degree with more talent and more depth. And what it does in the intermediate is his hiring gives you a chance to make a bowl game next year. Because mm-hmm. you need your defense to be average to make a bowl game. This offense is going to have growing pains legitimately with a new quarterback, new offensive lineman. You're, you you got to get new wide receivers. You've got to be able to win games with your defense next year. With Jay Bateman, you weren't going to do that. This guy gives you a chance. And that's and look, Carolina needs that because they're entering year four of Mac Brown 2.0 at a crossroads. This hire didn't need to be sexy. It needed to be the right hire, right? This was the right hire.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you could have gotten the sexy right hire as well. I, I, I had really started to get into the mind space of Kevin Steele. I, I thought that was that that would have been just a home run hire. And I got to be honest, when they announced the hire, and I got that wrong, Feldman was the one that announced first that Jay Bateman was out. It was FootballScoops.com. That actually uh, got this one, um, you know. I, I'll, I'll admit it. I was I was rather indifferent. You know, I said, "Look, there's some good things about it. I think that he proved the first time that he can do a good job, especially when it comes to pass defense of, of of being able to shore that up. But even with that, you know, we we thought we still don't have a safeties coach. Dre Bly is going to be your corners coach, and there's some questions with him for sure." And so I was a little bit, you know, I I was, I was, yeah, I I was a little bit, I I, I wouldn't say dissatisfied, but, you know, I I said I could see the goods of it and I could see some of the bads of it. Bringing back Charlton Warren is huge. Yes. Because you're bringing a guy with you that has one of, if not the best track records when it comes to defensive backs right now in college football. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about a guy that in recent stops, he has helped develop Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, first-round pick, C.J. Henderson, first-round pick.
1: You know that dude allowed less than 100 yards in coverage this season? Yeah, he's a stud, man. He is an absolute stud. You can't even fathom that. In this era of football where every team throws the ball, even Alabama with their Heisman Trophy quarterback – and Jamison Williams didn't he didn't give up 100 yards? I mean, are you serious? Wait, who are you talking about?
0: No, 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 Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the Saints' corner.
1: Oh, okay, I got mixed up with the. You're guys. talking about
0: Sauce Gardner, yeah, from uh, I was Cincinnati. Thinking, I was no. About sauce, he is not he he did not coach there. Uh, he did coach a couple of guys that will be in the national championship game tonight because he coached at Georgia. But you have Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who's with the Saints. C.J. Henderson, who's here. In in Carolina with the Panthers, was with Jacksonville, former first-round pick. And we've heard multiple times with him, too. What is it? It's the the off-the-field stuff. It's not the talent. Mm -hmm. He helped coach him. Eric Stokes, who was drafted in the first round last year out of Georgia, went to Pittsburgh. And they were really stoked about that draft pick. Tyson Campbell, as well, who was a part of that defensive back. He went in the second round last year. Richard LeCount, he was a fifth-round guy, but he's there a long time made a lot of plays on the football, had a bunch of interceptions during his career. And then you even go back to his one year at Tennessee, Rashawn Galvin, who many people in this area will remember him. He was drafted by the Panthers Mm -hmm. as a safety, didn't play a whole lot. And a guy that's hanging around the league actually saw him yesterday. I don't know if he plays a big role, but Nigel Warrior, who is actually with the Seattle Seahawks. And then, of course, you're talking about the guys at Carolina as well, one of your favorites to ever play, or at least here recently, at the cornerback position and a guy that made probably the biggest play one of the biggest plays of the Larry Fedora era Des Lawrence mm-hmm. and then MJ Stewart of course who is you know really revitalized his career in Cleveland so you're you're talking about a bunch of success for him now he comes over wasn't a great year at Indiana where he was the defensive coordinator But Indiana lost a ton of talent from a year ago. And let's be real honest, the fact that they were as good as they were the year prior was pretty much a miracle.
1: It's it's Indiana football.
0: (laughs) I mean, that just never happens. So um, this one, I I think, I'm going to be honest, out of the two hires, I'm more excited about Warren coming back than Chizik because I think he makes such a huge difference here. He's going to be the defensive backs coach. And what did I tell you a couple of weeks ago on the pod? I don't think Dre Bly needs to be removed from the cornerback coaching spot. He needs a guy that can oversee him and help him learn as a coach. Charlton Warren can do both of those things.
1: Yeah, look, I've been very critical of Dre Bly, and I'm not gonna no, well, no. and I'm, I'm not gonna walk back that criticism. I think it. I oh, no, you shouldn't. I think it mean, was deserved. I because I've I, I've always thought when he got hired, he had the ability to be a a quality coach. We knew he got hired for the recruiting aspect, which Carolina needed. And look, he's delivered. We don't have the recruits from Virginia without Dre Bly. Everybody with a brain knows that. But I do think his lack of experience coaching really showed up this year. The first couple Mm -hmm. years, you were able to get live because you had talent and stuff like that. But, But this year, the corners didn't take the next step that you wanted them to see. And... A lot of it was a byproduct of not having a pass rush and stuff like that, but even some of their technique wasn't as good. We couldn't get off blocks, et cetera, et cetera. And Jay Bateman wasn't going to inspire you to be better because he had to run his defense. While he's still the co-defensive coordinator, he's the defensive backs coach, not just the safeties coach. There's a difference between that. Mm -hmm. Having this guy in your ear with all the places he's gone and had success, with all the dudes that he's put in the NFL, this is a win for Carolina's defense, for Dre Bly as a coach, who he wants to be a legitimate coach. He needs someone like this to oversee him. And, and, as, and as, as important as it was to get Chiswick right, this was this might have been the most important hire of them all because yep. you're bringing a guy with experience, pedigree, and also like Chiswick, he's done it here before. And I don't think we understand how much that matters. But I think you're about to find out because you've seen Mac Brown come back in his second stint, and he's had success in certain areas, on on the field and off the field. You're bringing back guys who had success on the field for you, get, getting your defense, and then helping you make an ACC title game. Recruiting's a lot more easier right now for these guys, so they could go in and recruit better talent than Larry Fedora's staff ever could. So this was a mm-hmm. win-win for Carolina. And, if, you, and if, if we look back in 10 years from now and we look at Mac Brown 2.0 and we say that was, a, that was successful, whether that includes an ACC championship, New Year's Six Bowl game, whatever that is, but if we can say it was successful, you'll look back to these hires and say that was why. Well, look, the
0: first time, and you said it, that these guys have done it before, first time they were here, what happened in their first year that they were here went to the ACC title game? So it's possible. And you mentioned they inherit more talent, more depth. No doubt about that. I agree with that 100%. I think in terms of overall talent, the secondary you may question because that secondary was extremely talented. And mainly at the safety spot, I I don't know exactly where you're at. I still think you've got to find guys back there, and who knows? Warren may be that aggressive guy that wants to go out and get other guys back there. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. But you are talking about when they inherited that defense in 2014, for people that don't really know. Maybe you were young you were younger, or maybe you didn't follow it as in depth. Vic Coning is one of the worst defensive coordinators ever. <laughs>
1: there is no deny. He at, absolutely at the power five level. He absolutely stunk at Carolina. Because at the group of five level, remember there was that one year Troy was a oh top, my God. A Don't top even 10 know. defense in the country. So he was a line like what Jay Bateman was. He was a group of five coordinator. Yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is you got to find out the hard way. And the hard way was giving up 68 to Georgia Tech, (laughs) giving up a 44 yard touchdown run on third and 28 at East Carolina, and getting blasted by that
0: team, giving up 40 to Rutgers in a bowl game. Right. So, yeah, that, and and look, if you want to compare the defenses, remember how I, I, I kept saying over and over again when we were talking about Bateman? Ranks outside of the top eighty in all four major statistical categories on the defensive side mm-hmm. Vic koning ranked outside of the top one hundred in every one of those categories <laughs> and ranked a hundred and and nineteenth or worse in three of them Jesus so the defense was horrendous. I talked about the passing defense and how much better look when he took over they were allowing two hundred and fifty seven point four passing yards per game in 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 14 and I mean that's, that's even lot. even this team isn't that bad. they allowed 238 which which isn't much better. that's the area where they need to get they need to get right. but in their first year together, Chiswick and Warren, that defensive backfield allowed a hundred and eighty eight point one passing yards per game and you may be saying, well, that's probably because the run defense was so bad. Look that's true. His first year, especially in 2015, which, you know, getting ran on for almost 600 yards in a, or, or over 600 yards yeah. in a bowl game, mm-hmm. um, 646 to be exact, yeah, that might, that might skew the numbers just a bit. Yeah. But I said it the other day when talking to somebody about this, I think that the talent overall definitely better. Linebacker is the position where it's going to be most obvious. I, look... Jeff Schottmer is one of my favorite players ever. Honestly, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's just the bravado and a dude that played hard. Yep. But he was a guy that was a converted safety-playing middle linebacker.
1: Who was a walk-on.
0: And you had... Shaq Rashad, who started out as a defensive end, moved to linebacker, moved to defensive end, moved. so he was moving all over the place. He bursted out that senior year and had a great year in fifteen. The best thing, and about then you that had another defense, walk
1: on in Cole Holcomb. The best so, part about that defense, and and maybe this will be a Chiswick effect, and we'll find out this year, was that they played with a desperation that their talent level required for them to be competitive. They had to give 100% every play because if they didn't, it, we'd already seen that happen the first two to three years of Larry Fedora's tenure here. They weren't good. And they, and they still gave up all those yards. They, that was the problem.
0: They were playing hard. They just weren't talented enough. This group, if they play with their menta- that mentality— they not only have a chance to be an average defense, they have a chance to be a good defense.
1: There's quality there. And you know, the thing about what what separated that 15 defense from the other bad defenses that you look at around the country, if you're not a good defense, you can still be quote-unquote good if you force turnovers. Yep. In 15 Carolina, they forced the timely turnovers, and when the ball got inside the 20, they held teams to field goals more often than touchdowns. And look, that's the name of the game now. You're we live in an era where offenses are going to get they're going to get their points. Uh-huh. They're going to get their yards, but it's how they get them is what matters. If Carolina's red zone defense can get back to being average, then the then then things go different. Carolina wins probably 25 to 26 games the last 3 years because they were giving up field goals instead of touchdowns. So all those little things that, that that's why yards don't really matter in in today's. I mean, it matters to a certain degree, but it didn't matter. In 50. <laughs> yeah, you can't let up. You can't let up five hundred forty three to a South Carolina offense that couldn't move the ball all year. Like no one's gonna give a crap if you give up four hundred fifty yards per game, but it's just 22, 23 points. I mean, I, I I I'm gonna be honest. I I was wrong going
0: back to the sixteen year. Say I, that again. I thought for sure, based on the fact that they, cause. That was the thing that disappeared in 16 that was concerning. They had one interception the whole season. Takeaway is I mean it had to have been in the single digits. They were like my girlfriend, non-existent. But they still and I thought it was I I thought and I was wrong. I thought it was way more I love when you say points. That. I thought it was way more points allowed than they did. They only they still only allowed 24.9 a game. So they they had the bend but don't break mentality. Mm-hmm. My thing with this team is is they might have the talent where you don't even have to take that mentality at times, because I think, and, and and we we can talk about this here. He runs the four three scheme. The expectation is that he's going to bring that back. Mm-hmm. I I don't see him changing up the scheme he's he ran the first time, and in, in my mind, probably ran the entire time he's been a coach to just fit what this roster has. I think he's going to run his scheme, and I think that this front seven is built to where you can run that 4-3 scheme with good success. Especially, I think you've got guys right now on that defensive line that I think fit the 4-3 scheme better than they fit the 3-4 scheme.
1: Well, what you're going to find out is how versatile these these players really are because the, the recruitment of them, once Jay Bateman became the defensive coordinator, was we want guys with versatility and can do a lot of different things. Well, now you've got a, a coordinator change, you've got a scheme change, so these guys are going to be asked to do something that they may not have been originally recruited for, but they had the versatility to do that. And look, here's the thing. He might be the guy that gets the most out of a Des Evans. And we we don't know what a good pass rush means for this defense because <laughs> when was the last time we
0: had that? That's That's the one thing that... They still they were not a great pass rushing team, even when Chiswick was here the first time they weren't bad, but they were not they were not world beaters on the defensive front Now the thing is is that at the time, remember that the the, the talent was nowhere near what it is now on this defensive front I mean you're talking about if you it, it wherever you put Des Evans, he was a guy that was a five-star for a while, mm-hmm. ended up finishing as a four-star. Still, he's a high-end four-star, and you've got two five-stars that are a part of this group with Keyshawn Silver and now Travis Shaw coming in this year. Not to mention a guy in Javari Ritzy who has the talent probably to be a five-star. And, again, I think he he probably fits the newer system a little bit better because... He was kind of, I think, in between, and there was, you know, what were you going to do, play him at nose tackle? That wouldn't have made sense. He's not a guy that needs to be doubled. I think this, you know, a guy like Miles Murphy not having to be doubled, that could work out really well for him, because as we saw this year, I mean, he was great in the first half of the season. Second half of the year, he had a half a tackle for loss. That was his old, that, that was it. He disappeared in the second half of the yeah. season because teams started being they took him away and said somebody else beat us. So I think there's a lot of guys that are going to fit this system better. The concern is those is those hybrid guys, those edge rushers. What do you do with a guy like Des Evans? Does he put on more weight to be a defensive end or not? I think I think he's fine there because. Um, Chris Collins. Chris Collins probably going to go back to being a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. The thing I, I take away from that, I thought he was better in his freshman season with his hand-in-the-dirt than he's been since then. Mm-hmm. So, for some guys, it's going to make sense. The concern is, so for a guy like Malachi Hamrick, true freshman who's coming in, he's 210 pounds. How are you going to get that guy up? to So, he's probably going to have to move to outside linebacker or whatever. Good news is he played that position this year in high school, but some of those tough decisions will have to be made. Other than that, though, I think this sets up for for a lot of success. I don't think you're going to have the problem stopping the run that you did the first time. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I know, know there's areas that have to get cleaned up. One, this team has to be tougher. Yep. And, you know, people said, look, it's it's a it's a culture thing. I saw Taylor Vipolis after it was originally reported that Chiswick, just Chizik, was coming back. And he said, look, hiring him isn't going to make a complete difference because you need a culture change. I think him and Warren, that could help change the culture. I don't know if it's a complete change. We may have to wait and see on that. But I feel pretty com- I, I feel more confident now that with Warren coming back with him, there's a chance to change the culture of a team that well, let's just put it what it was. This this team was soft for most of this year.
1: Look, this might have been what really we got we argued about the other day, because we argued Carolina's soft, and that's a byproduct of Mac Brown, the way Mac Brown has established his program. There's nothing wrong with that because his track record is pretty good where you could say it still wins more often than not. Carolina needs a hard ass. They need an old school coach who's going to coach them hard, love them, mm-hmm. connect with them, develop them, but they need that because they haven't had that. If we're being brutally honest, outside of Gene Shizik's two years here, they haven't had that type of coaching since Butch Davis was here. And look what happened with those guys. Yeah. Those guys yep. were coached hard, and the results benefited. Carolina's, it's, they've got the same issue that, that you have on the basketball court. You don't have to be great defensively to be good. We're asking you to be average to above average and yes. to compete for 60 minutes. That hasn't happened under Jay Bateman. It didn't happen when Vic Koning was here. It happened when Gene Chizik was here. What about what about John Papucci? And now? Look, and look what the results were. So, you know, here's the, here's the thing. He he's going to have the mindset that you're gonna you're gonna play hard. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna work out hard because look, yeah, you got to get tougher. This team's soft, and I mean that and I'm not even trying to be funny, they're as soft a defense I've ever freaking seen. Look, you
0: can't, I mean, it is what it is. Like, when you cannot get off of blocks to make tackles, like, you're just, it's not even soft. You're just not physical enough,
1: and you've got to be. And and that's the whole point. The best, you show me a great defense in the history of college football. That was a finesse defense. That defense is It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You've got to be, you've got to be physical. And that's, see... I'm
0: glad you said that. That's the way that I put it in the article. They were, a fin- they were a team that was trying to win because they had athletes. And that's fine. You can have athletes. Yeah, but here's the thing You about- play on the defensive side of the ball. You got to have physical athletes. Like- they can't just be guys that are quick to get to the ball because, look, if they're quick, you could get there. Dude knocks you off, your, off of your spot. You ain't making the tackle.
1: I'm not saying you got to be Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan good. Hey, but, if you want to be that, please. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Not gonna but, complain. but the difference about those guys is you're going to watch a national title game and you're going to see Nico Dean and say, "God, he's fast." He can click and he can go 30 yards in 3.5 seconds. But well, you also know what he's going to do when he get there, he's going to hit you. He's going to hit you hard. Yeah, and if
0: look, here's the thing. He's going to be fast and if there's a blocker in his way, he's going to run through he's him. He's going to push through him and,
1: and make a tackle. And so that was been the biggest problem when the times that Jay Bateman put the guys in position to make the plays, they weren't tough enough to. And for 3 years, we just let that go by. Right. That that can't that shouldn't happen. It can't happen and with Gene Chizik back, I doubt that will happen moving forward. Well, here's the thing.
0: Part of that go okay. It's not all on Jay Bateman For why this team Didn't do the things That they were supposed to do You
1: see the new Larry there, Fedora
0: There needs to be Can hey, we just blame he, him For everything? Nah Fall start Jay Bateman's nah, fault Nah Nah I mean the thing is Is it's like I, I, You're right The mistakes were there The lack of physicality Became more and more evident Really as the years went along Because I That was the thing I, I think about Some of Larry's guys They were physical at times, they just weren't they, they. weren't talented enough to make the plays. It like they weren't good. There were just times where, like, you saw it. That team got – those teams in 17 and 18 got jet-sweeped just about every time that they took the field because they just – they weren't fast enough in space. You had guys that played
1: hard. Matt Canada got but, an NFL coaching job off of his offenses that he ran against Carolina. Seriously. I mean, that's the
0: thing is it's like, you know, but – with these teams, you get so frustrated because they're there. They're they're almost always in position to make plays, and they just don't because they're not physical enough. So, and again, part of that's on the players. Look, you got to have leaders in your locker room that step up and say, "Hey, we've got to work out a certain way in the weight room. We have to work out a certain way in the summer. Like when we're away from from the coaches." for that dead period, we've got to be working hard. This can't be – and, look, I don't think they just took time off, but they've got to be working on how to become a more physical team. hmm And I think, you know, with Gene Chizik, that's something you probably don't question because he's an old-school guy. He's going to want his defenses to be physical, and I think same thing with with, with Charlton Warren. I think they'll help establish that. Um you know i i the talent's there so i'm 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 optimistic for sure that it can happen but at the same time you just you know you you just have to have to kind of go i'm not look i said before the season in what is probably the worst bold prediction that has ever been stated on this podcast that they would be a top 25 defense there is no there is no way you will ever top that. That's number one. I would hope I'd never want to top that. I not. mean, Eugene Asante, there was a bold prediction in there about him as well. There are, some, there are some really horrendous ones if you go back through. But that one, that one was very clearly number one. But I think that shows where at least I think that they can get to, I mean, do you think? I mean, I know you've said, look, the talent on this roster isn't as good as we think it is. It's not. Do you think that there's enough talent, though, for Gene Chizik to get this team into that range that I was talking about earlier of a good defense?
1: I think they can be top 50. Does that qualify as good in your mind or that qualifies as average? I, I think if they get in the top 50... By next year, there's no reason this team doesn't win a Coastal title in place, oh, yeah. in place yeah, for yeah. a conference title. Yeah, because here's the thing.
0: You said earlier that there are going to be some growing pains for this offense. I mean, there there will. I think mainly, <laughs> I think mainly for I – I, I don't even know where that came from. I guess uh, something's on in the computer here. that Just let that go off there, even though I have all the other volumes turned down. But, uh, but yeah, no – um. I mean you look you, quarterback Drake May, yes. There, there's no doubt in my mind that's that there's there's going to be some ups and downs if he's your guy or Criswell, whichever one of the quarterbacks you go to. You said the offensive line there's going to be growing pains. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, can't be much worse than they were <laughs> this year. You can really only
1: go up. Well, let me clarify you about know? my growing pains. That might be in September. Phil Longo proved this year that after three to four games, he kind of figured out what worked, what didn't. This offense, for the most part, week in week out, produced. But you look at September schedule; you got you got to go to App State. That's not going to be easy. Um, you got Notre Dame at home. That's not going to be easy. You want a chance at winning those games. You've got to compete defensively, and so because you you imagine your offense is not going to have it all figured out by then. If they do. Great, and then maybe we'll stop <laughs> yeah. wanting to fire Phil Longo. But you you, you want a well, chance to get okay it. the fan base, not right. us.
0: We 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 actually use our brains he, he's, to realize he's that the one he's coach, doing a
1: he's doing a pretty damn good job. He's the one coach I don't want fired. Um, and so, you know, so that's all I'm saying. If they get to top fifty, I don't I don't think they'll be top fifty this year. If they are. Gene Chizik's probably yeah. getting the Broyles Award, and who knows how many games Carolina's going to win. But Dang, for top 50? Wow. But, but by year two, another year of recruiting, better coaching, all that great stuff, you, you get in that top 50 echelon as the, the top, uh, one of the best defenses in the country within the ACC, Carolina's going to win a lot of football games. I mean, I think they could get to
0: top 50 next year. I think it just depends. I You know, I think it really depends on how quickly – your defensive line can grow up. Because you've got a lot of talent there, but they're young. Can they grow up quickly, and how do they adjust to the four-man front instead of the three-man front? If they adjust quickly, I think you've got a heck of a shot
1: mm-hmm. to have a top-50 defense. I'm with you, brother.
0: And on the back end, they gotta get, they got to get that figured out. Because I was looking, I, I was looking so soon after this podcast— we will have final grades that will go up. Ugh. The corners in terms of pro football focused grades were all ranked in the 700s or lower <laughs> amongst graded players. So I mean that's it's 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 got to get better than that. And it it stinks because man what a what a great start to his career Tony Grimes had. What a great start to his career Storm Duck had. But you got to call Spade a spade. Those guys struggled this year. Mhm. So, they've got to be able to take a step forward. I think they're capable of it, and that's why I think this can be a top 50 group. And this was a quality hire. The only other thing that I'll mention, and this is what we got into an argument the other day about, and I think that it's probably still it's it's there, but you would imagine that Mac Brown's kind of talked this out with them and is trying to figure it out. The NIL transfer portal stuff, and he that article that was written today by Brad Crawford, by the way, who I I do have contact information. I'm going to try to see if I can't get him on to talk a little bit more about that. It was interesting. He said, look, I have to learn about NIL. I have to learn about the transfer portal. And I know that his comments that Mm -hmm. he had earlier in the offseason, and I believe he may have even talked to Yahoo Sports about them.
1: He had some tweets.
0: There there are some comments that recruits families mainly. Guys guys on campus, I don't think are gonna be as concerned because they're already doing their thing. I think recruits families will probably bring it up and it has to be addressed. It's an element to them, but clearly Mac Brown sees this as something that is not a hurdle that cannot be jumped over. It's not something that is going to stand in the way of Chizik being able to have success. I'm with them. That, though, was my concern that I voiced the other day.
1: Here's what it comes down to when it comes to Gene Chizik and all these old-school type of coaches, which I'm a big fan of, old-school. The biggest problem that Gene's had with NIL, the portal, whatever, is what a lot of people of us have had, is that is it ruining the game? And in a lot of ways, has it ruined the game? No, I think it's made the game more competitive. I agree with that. Um, Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what are you teaching your kids? You know, because in their in their mind, the way they're wired, once you leave a hard situation, you've quit, and that's not a good recipe for life after football. But here's the thing. As long as those kids, whether they're coming for the portal or they're making money via, via NIL – and look, these these kids deserve the right to make money. But as long as that's not their primary focus, which I don't think there's many guys, if any, on this roster if, that that's their primary focus. As long as they are from the time they get to the facility to the time they leave the facility and for three hours on Saturday they're worried about being the best football player they can be, then Gene Chizik isn't going to give a crap
0: about right. the
1: NIL. Well, and here's the other thing. And he shouldn't. not I,
0: I, I did I didn't think... About this the other day. You know, Nat, when, I, when I was thinking about it the other day, if you listen to him or if you look at his comments and you listen to what Mac Brown says in a lot of the, his press conferences, they're not that far off base from mm-hmm. each other. They have similar mindsets, which is basically what you're saying. That, look, you know, we want you to be football first. This can't be NIL or... I mean, here's the thing. We want you to be football first, football slash academics first. We want you to take care of what you have to do in the classroom, what you have to do on the football field. And look, if you make money because of that, then great. But that's where we want your focus to be for the success of our team and for the success of you. If you're worried about your NIL deals, your play is probably going to suffer on the field. Right. And here's: I think there are people that truly believe Because I've seen this theory out there that the reason that this team did not live up to expectations this year was because there were guys too wrapped up in NIL stuff. How many guys on this team did you see outwardly showing that they had NIL deals? There was a handful. And how many... Here's the other thing about how many of those guys played significant reps this year? There were guys like J.J. Jones... He's got a very big social media following. Mm-hmm. He's he he brought in a few different companies that gave him nil deals. And look, I mean, he got on the field, and I thought towards the end of the season showed some 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 stuff when he was out there. But here's my here's my argument for that. So you, you're telling me that you think that nil is the reason that they struggled this bad? Well, who was the guy that had the most nil deals of anybody on the team or the biggest ones? Your quarterback. Telling me he didn't give it his all out there? I mean, I don't see any other guy. I didn't see a guy out there that I said, man, I think that dude's worried about his NIL deal. I think this team was, was, was bought in. They just, they were, you know, the coaching staff didn't help, them put, help put them in the right situation. And sometimes they frankly just didn't execute. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. But it's an element. I'm, like I said, I'm more worried about it on the recruiting trail. And how recruits view that. But I think that's something where he can sit down and say, look, this is what I'm concerned about. You know, I'm looking for young men that are wanting to focus on their athletics and academics first and then focus on their NIL deal. If those come with the athletics and academics, then great. So we'll see. But other than that, I think this is this. We, we, we talked about it a little bit the other day. This was a safe hire. I think him, Kevin Steele fit into those safe hire categories. Guys that you knew would be good, but you don't you know these they're not going to be here long. And ultimately are they gonna get you to probably the number one defense in the country? No. But this is what this team needed right now and and it makes a ton of sense with yeah. with Mac Brown. The NFL playoffs are here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code TPPN, and get 56-1 to odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So That'll wrap up this edition of the podcast. Make sure you guys head over to the website heeltupblog.com. We go a little more in depth for you on Chiswick and Warren coming back. There's an article up there that you guys can read about that. Um, we're also going to have an article going up later on in the week where we're going to talk through uh, everything that went on in the two All-Star games for the Tar Heel prospects. Uh, do have to go back and check out the Army All-American game. I've already gotten a look at the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, man, what a performance uh, for a couple of guys out there. Zach Rice looked really good in that game. George Petaway didn't have a, a, a ton of room to run, but did some good things for Carolina out there, uh, and uh, def- definitely uh, you know, guys that looked the part, look like they're going to be able to make some early impacts in Chapel Hill. We'll take a look at Marcus Allen. Unfortunately, he was the only one of the guys uh, that was out there that was able to participate uh, when it comes to the Army All-American game because unfortunately, Uh, you had Sebastian Cheeks who did have to go back home due to uh, a family issue. But for him, he did win the man of the year presented by U.S. Bank Uh, the 2022 All-American linebacker uh, takes home uh, the prestigious award one of the most prestigious out there so congratulations to him uh, and uh, we will of course have all that stuff up for you on the website as well as those final grades which are coming on the podcast side of things we are going to shut down the season with the award show for this season Uh, that'll be coming up we'll hand out those awards even though it wasn't the season that you would expect Carolina had some guys that had some nice seasons so we're going to hand out those awards Officially wrap up the season and then move into off-season mode, where we will focus, of course, on recruiting. Carolina coming down the home stretch of the 2022 class. Three-star defensive tackle Ahmad Moten uh, is expected to be on campus uh, here soon, so that's huge for Carolina to be able to get him on campus as they try to add one last piece to that 22 class. As we mentioned, you got Antoine Wells, who's on campus this weekend, and then well, a couple other guys that Carolina is you know, potentially looking at in the transfer portal going forward. So we'll have, we'll keep you up to date on all of that. Um, and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff throughout the offseason on both the website and on the podcast. You can find them all on the same Uh, website page, HealTuffBlog.com. There's tabs at the top. Uh, You got uh, the news tabs up there. If you want to go to a specific category there, of course, all the stories on the homepage as well. And then of course, you can head over and check out the podcast. We got tabs at the top of the page for both the Blog podcast and the Four Corners podcast. Make sure you check it out there or on any of your major sites, that's the place where you can subscribe. You can't do that on the website because of the way that the players are set up on there. So if you want to subscribe so that whenever there's a new edition, it goes straight into your podcast library and you get the notification, do that wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, all those great sites, we are on there. And then you can also check everything out on the Facebook page, Articles audio editions of the podcast, video editions of the podcast, when those return, the waveform editions of the podcast, all that great stuff in one central location on the Facebook page. And then uh, when you're there, make sure you like and follow the page so that it goes straight onto your timeline. You don't have to worry about trying to track it down in those groups. We do appreciate those groups. We love them. We share them in there. But it's just easier for you guys if you end up liking the page because it'll go straight onto your timeline. And you'll get those notifications whenever we are premiering a live video. Lastly, make sure you check out the Twitter pages at Blog for the official Twitter page. At HTB Anthony for my personal Twitter page, at HTB Josh for Josh's personal Twitter, and at HackZubbard2 for Zach Hubbard's Twitter page. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!